Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. On the latest Sharpshooters with Shanowski and Schuster, Mark and David go into detail on the NBA draft and the Chicago Bulls picks. Even though the Bulls were a 22-win team last year, their starting lineup is pretty well set for next season. Williams can be brought along slowly and hopefully get more minutes as the season goes on. Obviously, Otto Porter is here for only one more year, and maybe not even the full year. Maybe they trade him at the deadline as an expiring contract. We'll have to wait and see what happens with that. But they took a look and said, you know what, we need to build our roster, and we need to start filling in some other positions. And they will have that hole at uh, at the three. Um, and, And obviously, they feel that Patrick Williams is the best of the bunch. Make sure you catch Sharpshooters only on the Bears Barroom Radio Network. And now, Stacy King's Give Me the Hot Sauce with Mark Schinowski. The following is suitable for all audiences. Otto is, a, is an elite defender. It's just that he can't stay healthy. You know, if he's healthy, you know, Otto is a great three-man in this league. But... You know, if I if I could find me a, a legit small forward in this draft, and because I think Kobe can still be what you need him to be, mm-hmm. I just I would like to see him under a year. If because I'm only basing off of uh, Gilgis Alexander in Oklahoma City, from where he was as a Clipper to where he was last year as an Oklahoma City Thunder point guard, and that's playing with Chris Paul, he looked like a, a, a all star. And if Billy Donovan could do that for him. I can only imagine what he can do for Kobe White because, in my opinion, Kobe White is a much better scorer. Um, He's bigger, in my opinion. I think he can rebound from the guard position. And you can tell he just likes to play. But if I'm the Bulls, I'm going small forward. The picks are in, and Arturis Karnishevis and Mark Eversley have made their first personnel decisions as head of the Bulls front office, selecting Patrick Williams, the forward from Florida State, with the fourth overall pick. Second round, they go for a European big man, Marco Simonich, and they also signed Kansas point guard Devon Dotson to a two-way contract. He had a great year at KU. Might be an underrated pickup, a chance to make the roster. Welcome to the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast. I know Bulls fans can't wait to get the review from the big man, Stacy King. Stacy, welcome in. I'm sure you watched the draft with interest. What's your uh, initial take on the Bulls draft? Well, I'm excited. I mean, I think a lot of people um, – Really don't know Patrick Williams. Um, you know, didn't get a lot of chance to see Florida State. I think one of the big reasons why a lot of these kids in this draft are like no names is because I think people are so used to watching March Madness, where some of these kids make a name for themselves. People get to see them up close, get to see them play. And I think had the uh, you know had the tournament not been canceled, marked by COVID, I think you would have got to see Patrick Williams in Florida State. They were one of the best teams in the country this year, top five. Uh, they had a couple of guys drafted in the first round. Uh, they had a lot of NBA talent. They still got NBA talent that are still on, the, uh, on uh, Leonard Hamilton's roster. So uh, don't get blown away. You know, don't don't get blown away by his numbers. Uh, I, I've heard a lot of people say, well, he was the sixth man. He couldn't even start on his on his team. And you know, he's the sixth man of the year in ACC as an 18 year old. Okay, he's six foot nine. He's got a huge upside. And when you look at needs. Um, for what the Bulls need. Now, go back to last season. When Otto Porter was healthy, the Bulls were fine at, at small forward. But when Otto Porter went out and missed any games with injury, you were playing Shaq Harrison as your small forward. There was no quality depth at the small forward position last year for the Bulls. That was a sore spot for them. Uh, they had no viable candidates to play that position. And again, they had, you know, we had Chris Dunn guarding small forwards. Uh, almost every night you had Shaq Harrison platooning with Chris Dunn at the small forward position. And those two guys are guards. Uh, so this, this feels a need. And I would tell Bulls fans this, uh, 
slow down and, and trust the process. You know, uh, AK and Mark have done a good job since they've been on, been in the, uh, in the situation of what they've been in. They've come in and completely changed this front office, the way they think, the way things are done here in the Bulls' front office. They've, they've got the coach that they want. And I, I would just tell fans to trust the process because I think this kid – uh, at the end in two or three years, you got to remember Jimmy Butler came out of Marquette kind of the same way. Now he didn't get drafted in the lottery, but a lot of people said the same things about Jimmy. Well, he can't shoot. He can't create his own shot. He's, he's got NBA defensive ability, but he doesn't have NBA offense ability. Now look where Jimmy Butler is right now. You're talking about a kid, you know, who worked his way into becoming an all-star elite player, top 10 player in the league. And he worked his butt off. And now Patrick Williams, can come in, and, and I believe he's coming in with one of the best developmental coaches in the NBA in Billy Donovan. I believe Billy Donovan will get him to reach his potential. Uh, I'm, I'm just a big believer in what Billy's done over his career as a coach, and I just feel confident that Patrick Williams will reach his potential with this regime. And Patrick Williams played at Florida State where his coach was Leonard Hamilton, so we know that he's going to be a good defensive player coming in, and Leonard Hamilton told reporters – Listen, this kid is a lot better than what you think. This is not a reach at number four. This kid has an advanced skill set. He played three years as a point guard in high school, so he has ball handling ability that he really didn't get a chance to show on a very good Florida State team. But, you know, the sky's the limit for this kid. And it may take a year or two, Stacy, before we find out just how good he's going to be. But in a draft that was loaded with guys that had some warts, I mean, they went for the high upside guy. And if this works out the way that AK and Mark Eversley are hoping – this could be a, a home run for the pick for the Bulls down the line. Well, listen, this, this, is not, this is not a reach for the Bulls. I mean, this kid's name was skyrocketing up the charts. There were teams behind the Bulls that were trying to move up to get him, uh, but they had to give up too much to get up in that top spot. So it's not like, oh, well, the Bulls just pulled a, a rabbit out of the hat. I mean, this guy was, had been making some – was impressing a lot of people, not just with his play during the year, but his interview, his workouts. So he was moving up in the in the uh, the draft process, and when you look at you look at the tangibles, okay, let's look at the tangibles. The kid's six foot eight. He's got an NBA ready body right now. I mean, two hundred and twenty five pounds. He's got a seven foot wingspan. He can guard one through four, one through five. He's he's a he's a, uh, a his offense. Like I said, is something to be worked on. But at the same time, you know, who comes in offensive ready? Uh, most of these kids, 18 years old, don't come in offensive ready. It takes them a couple of years to learn how to score in the NBA. So he's no different. But what you can't teach, and this is the same things you couldn't teach with Jimmy Butler and you couldn't teach with Taj Gibson. They came in NBA defensive ready from day one, and they were able to get out and play from day one. Now, Jimmy was playing behind All-Stars, so it was a little bit different. But once he got his opportunity, you saw that he was defensive ready to play and that was one of the reasons why he was able to contribute, and Taz was able to contribute uh, at an early uh, stages of the career. And I think you'll see the same thing with Patrick Williams. Yeah, of course, this was a virtual draft because of the COVID where everything was done from the ESPN studios and the picks were brought in virtually. Uh, Stacy, when you were watching the draft and, and seeing the family celebrate, uh, did it take you back to your draft night? Do you have a, a favorite story from that period when you were getting ready to, to be picked and – I know you mentioned in a previous podcast you thought you could go as high as one, but if you didn't go one, you probably were going to go six to Chicago. What was that whole process like for you personally in the days leading up to the draft and then when you heard your name being called? Well, I, I think, you know, when finally you got up there and you got to shake the, uh, you know, David Stern's hand, it was just relief because there's so much that goes into this. You know, all the interview processes, you get prodded and poked, you have doctors you know, trying to find out if you have any knee injuries, hip injuries, all the x-rays. I mean, you felt like a piece of meat. And that was going on for at least, you know, three weeks, almost to a month leading up to the draft. And then you get on planes and you're going to different interview processes, uh, sitting there talking to front offices, you know, um, having them ask you tough questions. And, you know, as you know, my big my big one-on-one uh, -on -one with Phil Jackson, that was part of that. <laughs> Yeah, if people have missed that. They got to listen back think, to episode two. That was a great I don't story. Think, you, I, don't think any, I don't think any player had a battle of coach, uh, you know, play one on one <laughs> with coach, but they kind of got away from that. But, you know, it, it's just it's draining. And then, you know, you get to the point when you hear your name called and you're sitting there with all the guys. 
Now, these guys had it at home, so they didn't get that draft experience that everyone else has been able to do, go up on stage and shake the commissioner's hand. I, I really feel bad for them in that aspect because that is, a, that is a, a magical moment in itself. When you hear your name called and you put that hat on and you're walking up stage in your nice suit, um, and then you get interviewed. You know, I got interviewed by the late Craig Sager, you know, and, and that was awesome. Uh, it's an experience that those guys didn't get to go through, and I really feel bad for them. But, you know, at the end of the day, Mark, you know, they're doing what they, they're doing what they love. This is a dream they've had since they were little, little kids to get to the NBA. And now, finally, they're one step closer. You know, they're in the NBA. They're, they're on a team. Now they got to go out there and play and, and show people, you know, why they were drafted as high as they were, why they were drafted at all. Of course, after you were drafted, which happened in late June, you had like three or four months to get ready for the start of training camp. And for these guys, man, they're going to hit the ground running. Training camps are going to open on December 1st. No summer league for these guys. How tough is it going to be for some of these rookies to make a major impact without getting a taste of life in the NBA through the summer league and different workouts leading up to the start of training camp? You know what? These kids have been playing basketball year-round. I mean, they're, they're ready. Their bodies are physically ready to play. Um, you know, some of these guys have high basketball IQs. So, you know, to get to this level, you've got to have some kind of basketball IQ to get to this level that they are at, being drafted as high as they are. So I don't see it being a problem of them, at, you know, getting in, getting acclimated, and, uh, you know, trying to find a place. It all depends on where you go, too. You know, some of these guys will be asked to play right away. I mean, they're going to get put in the starting lineup, and they're going to get to play right away. And then there's going to be other guys who are going to have to come off the bench, and they're going to have to, you know, find a role on a team. And, you know, Wiseman, for instance, you know, here he is. You know, he's going to go to, you know, Golden State, you know, and, and that's a whole different animal up there. I mean, you're going up to it with the expectations of being high for Golden State. And even now, you know, with the injury to Klay Thompson, uh, the expectations are high for Golden State because they got Steph Curry coming back and, you know, they have Draymond Green there, and they have some really good young players there that really developed last year under Steve Kerr. And uh, James Wiseman is going to, you know, get thrown to the thrown to the wolves, and, and it'll be interesting to see how he comes out. Anthony Edwards is going to play right out the box, you know, so he's going to get a little LaMelo ball. The first three picks are going to start, and they're going to play right out of the box. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they all turn out and, and the, the mentality that they have when they get put in those roles. I know you told me that leading up to your first uh, your rookie season, you got a chance to play some uh, pickup games uh, in September, working out with some of the guys. What was that experience like for you, your first taste of what it was going to be like uh, in the NBA? I got some stories about maybe how those guys tried to haze you a little bit and let you know you're going to have to earn your time, Rook. Well, well, to be honest with you, I didn't. You know, the difference that that I had in my draft class and how they do it now. You know, these kids come in slotted. You know, they know exactly what the number one pick's going to get, what the number two pick's going to get, and it just kind of goes downhill. You know, when I was playing, you know, you had to negotiate a contract. And, you know, we had a tough negotiation with Jerry Krause, my agent with David Falk, and uh, I wanted to go smoothly. I wanted to get in there soon because as a rookie, you don't want to miss training camp. You know, I didn't want to miss training camp. I didn't want to miss the first day of training camp on a holdout. And, you know, Jerry and uh, David Falk were in the heated, you know, tough discussion, discussions trying to work out a deal. And I was ready to go. So I stayed in Oklahoma. David advised me to stay in Oklahoma until we worked out a deal. And, um, and so, you know, I was getting mad. I was getting antsy. Camp was coming up. And I signed, I signed the day before we started training camp. I mean, I went in and I said, hey, man, look, you know, we got to get this deal done. Uh, we got to do whatever we got to do. And David is one of the one of the best agents during that time. I mean, he had all the big name stars: Michael Jordan, Pat Ewing, uh, you know, John Stockton. He had all the top players, and so I trusted him in the process. And I know, you know, Mr. Reinsdorf wanted to get the deal done, and I think eventually he stepped in uh, and and basically, you know, got the deal done. You know, he basically, you know, I, I, you know, from what I know with David Falk. You know, basically, you know, we need to get him in the camp. What do we got to do? And, you know, he got the deal done. And I was, I came in, I flew in the day before camp. I made, I went into media day and uh, I was all excited. <laughs> I was all excited and all the players were real cool before the actual practice. And then, then I got the cold shoulder when it's training camp. I thought, oh, wait a minute, y'all were talking to me yesterday, <laughs> but now, now I know everybody's acting like they don't know me and BJ and Jeff Sanders. And, <laughs> I remember doing a drill with Bill Cartwright, 
And, you know, Bill, you know, Bill had the reputation of the elbows and, you know, real physical player. And uh, it was one of my mentors. I'm still one of my, my good friends to this day. So we're doing a drill. And, you know, as a rookie, you want to come out there and you want to show everybody, like, why you were drafted, you know, as high as you were. You want to prove yourself. And so you got all this energy like a puppy. Like you just got this, all this energy. It feels like the old dog. And I'm a young puppy. And I've just got all this boundless energy. So we were doing this drill where you pop out to the wing and you're supposed to receive the ball. And then the defender is supposed to not let you catch it. It's supposed to, you know, deny you to make you have to work to get the ball. And so Bill being a veteran, you know, <laughs> Bill being a veteran, I was going up against him. I got matched up against him. So I'm way quicker than him. So he would pop out, and, and I would steal the ball. Boom. He couldn't get the ball. And I did it a couple of times. And he came back and he told me, he said, he said hey, Rook, let me tell you something. If you do that again, I got something for you. And I'm like, what do you mean you got something for me? Like, bring it, big fella. Bring it. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to be intimidated by anybody. And so we go back out there, and he goes to pop out. And as he pops out to get the ball, he hit me with an elbow in the throat. And I literally thought I swallowed my Adam's apple. I mean, I, I, I was gasping for his throat punch. It was the original throat punch with the elbow. And he got the ball, went and dunked the ball, was laughing, you know. And I'm on the ground, you know, rolling in pain. And uh, so I come back to the line. I knew I wasn't going to mess with Bill. Bill's a, Bill's a mean-looking dude. I wasn't going to mess with him. I said, man, what did you do that for? And he's like, hey, I told you, Rook, I had something for you. You did it again. And you need to slow down. Slow down. I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, okay. So from that point on, you know, we became good friends. But, there was a lot of hazing. I mean, you know, we had to get balls and, you know, we had to carry bags. I remember in the airport, you know, that's when we were flying commercial. And um, I, we had a night game. I think we were, playing, we were playing Boston at home, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, we had a night flight. We had to catch, catch a flight out uh, at O'Hare, one of the last flights out to Atlanta. And so Michael Jordan, uh, they thought it was funny. They were trying to send rookies to do all these crazy things, you know, after games. So my job that night was to go grab some chicken. So they said, we want you to go grab us some Kentucky Fried Chicken and bring it on the plane. And I'm like, man, I don't know my way around Chicago. Like, I, I, I have no idea how to get around. I, matter of fact, Mark, I had the great Lou Reyes, who worked for the Bulls for right. over 35 years. Lou Reyes used to drive me around for like the first month and a half of the season because I had no idea where I was going. Like, he would pick me up at the airport. I mean, pick me up in my hotel um, in, Deer, in Deerfield and then drive me to the games. He would take me wherever I needed to go. So he's kind of my personal chauffeur, and he was awesome. You know, so I didn't know my way around. So this is, this is the week that I finally got my car, and I'm trying to figure my way out. And it's, you know how Chicago was there that time. Traffic was – I mean, it's bad now, but it was even worse back then. And so they tried to make me go get some chicken. So I was like, man, I'm not going to get no chicken, man. I'm not going to be late on the plane because – you know, when you land on the plane, not only do you get fired, they might leave you. And so, <laughs> so, so Michael said, I don't care. You go get the chicken. Your rookie go do it. And then uh, and Phil even chimed in, yeah, rookie, go get the chicken. So I was upset about it. I was mad. Like, I was like, this is ridiculous. I don't know where Kentucky Fried Chicken is. I'm running all over on the south side looking for chicken. So I told my, 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 girl, my girlfriend at the time, who was my, was my wife, I told her, I said, you know what? We're not getting no chicken. We're going home. So I, I was defiant. So they sat there waiting on the plane, waiting for chicken for me. <laughs> <laughs> I refused to get chicken because I was like, this, this is not my job description. I'm not a chicken, you know, a chicken courier. I'm not going to go get no chicken and run down to O'Hare. So they can just wait on the plane. I'm going home, sleeping in my bed. I'll get on a plane the next day and fly to Atlanta. So so my excuse, though, Mark, was that they were waiting for me. And, they were, and that was when their cell phones, you know, you didn't have, really have cell phones at that time either. So um, I, I remember going home, and I remember, you know, people calling me from the Bulls, saying, where you at? And so I said, hey, I got lost. I didn't know where I was going. I ended up in, uh, you know, Stony Island. I don't know where I was going. And, um, you know, I, I just turned around and went home. I panicked. <laughs> 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 the, whole way home, I was, the whole way home, I was eating chicken, baby. Yeah, so you could have picked up some Harris chicken. chicken on the south side. Hey, I got the Kentucky Fried Chicken. The players did. And they all made a joke about it you know, when I got to Atlanta. Oh, rookie was late. Rookie got lost. Oh, my goodness. They were all jarazzing me. And, you know, no one ever no one knew the story but until later on, BJ and them do, that I didn't get lost, that I did it on purpose. So 
Uh, I had to lie so I wouldn't get fined from Field, but yeah, that's the story. <laughs> well, I remember from time to time uh, early in your career with the Bulls, the media would always try to get you to impersonate Bill Cartwright because you did such a good impersonation, and it was always funny. <laughs> and, you know, uh, in local TV, you're always looking for something that's different. Get something funny. And we knew we could go be a go-to guy, but every time you try to do the impersonation, Bill was always looming in the background going, I'm going to kill you, Stacey. I'm going to kill you. Yes. yes. So you had, he, you had to he, stop he, doing it, right? No, I had to stop doing it because I was starting to really sound like him. My voice was hurting. <laughs> I, I told him, I had to get my tonsils out. I had to get my tonsils out. Uh, we, were playing, <laughs> we were playing the famous Game 5 in New York. Um, you know, we were playing the Knicks uh, that year with Charles Smith missed like 100 layups. And right. I, got sick early, I had got sick early in that series um, with tonsillitis. And so, uh, you know, Bill's always, see, I told you, see, you know, see, I put a curse on you. I'm like, oh, my God, come on, man. That's, come on, man. That's nothing to say right now. We're in the playoffs. I need to be playing right now. So, yeah, so I stopped doing it, man, because I really started to sound like them. And then my voice was hurting. I, I started getting tonsillitis like every, like every year, you know. And so yeah. I finally got my tonsils taken out. You don't want to get your tonsils taken out as an adult, bro. Oh, it's not fun at all. When they always say, oh, you get ice cream, that's when you're a little kid. When you're, adult, when you're a little oh, kid, yeah. It's the worst. It's the worst. The curse of Bill Cartwright. That's, so that's a real thing. Yeah. Hey, I was going to ask you, you know, I know that you and Horace are still friends to this day, but when you were a rookie, you had to go head-to-head with him and compete for playing time. What was your relationship like in that, in that first year with Horace? Horace, you know what? Horace was really good because I knew Horace. You know, I knew Horace through Harvey because Harvey played with me at the University of Oklahoma. So Horace was not a – stranger to me you know so when I got here he was very friendly Horace has always been helpful that's one thing I can say Horace could always always helpful to me and Scott Williams um you know guys that were playing behind him uh he was competitive and he was I think you know at the end of the day we made him better he made us better you know when you got guys behind you that are nipping at your heels trying to get your, your spot from you it makes you play harder makes you go to a different level and I think, you know, everybody who played behind somebody on those championship teams, uh, with the exception of MJ, MJ's on a different level. But Guy and Scotty was too. But other, the other players, you know, Paxton, you know, he had B.J. Armstrong nipping at his heels. You know, it made him a better player. You know, so, you know, it, you know, when you have guys behind you that are pushing you um, to be better, it only makes the team better. And that's why we had, you know, so much success. That's why our bench was so strong is because, you know, every day we're playing against the best players in the NBA. And, you, you know, every single day you're scrimmaging against these guys and you're doing – you're beating them in scrimmages. You know, you're, you're playing toe-to-toe with them, even with Michael Jordan. So when you go out, and, you know, in the regular game and you're having so much – you know, you have this kind of confidence against these guys every day, when you face the Knicks or you face Atlanta or Boston – you know, you're not intimidated. You don't go out there with fear in your eyes or, or nervousness because you play against the best every day. Well, let's get back to this year's draft. And, you know, we were doing a lot of research uh, with our Bubble Up app, and we're looking at all the different files. It's a great app to download. You can get individual files, store photos, documents, and all the like. And, and Stacy and I were pouring over all these uh, profiles of the top draftees, and we were expecting all kinds of trades. And the first 15 picks, Stacy, there were no trades. And everybody kind of just felt like, you know, we don't really know what's going to happen behind us, so we're just going to stay right where we are. Uh, did you? Was there anything in the in the top fifteen that surprised you? I know that uh, New York, the Knicks took Obi Toppin, and then I don't know if you saw it today. We're we're taping this on Thursday. They got rid of a whole bunch of guys to clear cap space. They dumped Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis. Sounds like Tibbs and, and Leon Rose are going to start from scratch over there. Well, and I think, you know, both those guys have a relationship with each other. They understand, you know, where they want to go and what they want to do. And if you, you know, Tibbs, like Chicago Bulls fans know, he wants toughness. He wants guys that want, you know, he wants guys that weren't going to compete. That's going to come out there and play hard every night. And, uh, you know, so, and that's what he's done. That's what he, when he got, I mean, he got some guys that's going to do that. So, you know, when you look at, you know, look at the players that they, they brought Obi Toppin, I mean, come on, man. He's, he's like one of the guys that I believe like will come out the gate on fire. I believe he'll be ready to play. He kind of reminds me uh, the way he plays uh, like Amaro Stoudemire, you know, a guy that's going to be great in the pick and roll, that's going to be able to get to the basket and finish, 
Um, you know, they question his defense, but when you're playing for Tibbs, you're going to be forced to play defense, so you'll be sitting on that bench. You know, so I, I, I know he knows, and if you watched his interview yesterday, he's a kid from New York. He understands what it is to play in New York. You can see that he's, he was very emotional about that. So I don't think that's, that's one thing you're not going to worry about him. One, because he's got a coach that won't tolerate him not giving 100%. And two, when you're from New York City, they won't tolerate you not giving them 100%. So uh, I think that was a good pick. But I think the one, the one draft pick that I thought was, was really a shock that I thought would go higher was uh, Tyrese Halliburton. I honestly right. thought, like, he, you know, he went 12, and, he, you know, he's in, he's in Sacramento – but I kind of look at him like, like a C.J. McCollum. You know, you pair him with, you know, right now Sacramento, you got De'Aaron Fox. Now you're pairing those two together. You kind of got that kind of makeup that Portland has with Dane Lillard and McCollum. Um, I don't think he's as good a scorer as McCollum was coming out of Lehigh. But what the intangible things that you got another guard that can play off the ball, that can make plays for you off the bounce. Uh, he's a decent spot-up shooter. Uh, you know, you look at De'Aaron Fox, that backcourt is going to be fast. It's going to be long. I mean, you know, you look at, you look at uh, Halliburton. I mean, I mean he, he's a big guard. I mean, he's got like a 6'8 six, six, uh, wingspan at the point guard position. I mean, wow, that, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty impressive. He's got great size. Um, and I think that's a good pair. But that, that was one of the, one of the uh, draft picks I was really shocked that he slipped all the way 12. Yeah, the Pistons made a couple of trades. They ended up with three picks in the top 20. They got Killian Hayes, the point guard from France, who a lot of Bulls fans were hoping would wind up in Chicago. They also got the big center from Washington, Isaiah Stewart, and a 3-and-D forward, Sadiq Bey from Villanova. So Detroit's trying to reshape that team under Dwayne Casey, and it's going to be kind of a rebuilding situation. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point uh, early in the season they trade Blake Griffin, try to completely go young. Well, I mean, he's been injury prone the last few years, and you don't know how much, you know, how much that's going to affect him, um, you know. But at the same time, you know, you got to look at the Eastern Conference if you're Detroit. And I think a lot of teams are starting to look at this. It's like, okay, you know, why this? It's not relatively strong. It's it's top heavy in the Eastern Conference. So you know, you're looking at Miami, you're looking at Milwaukee, um, you know. Those two teams, Boston and Toronto, I mean, those are the four teams that everyone else is looking at. And everybody else is young. So you have to look at, you know, when you're putting your team together for Detroit, okay, can we be a, a seventh or eighth seed every single year with the guys that we had here? Definitely, yeah. You know, but at somewhere down the line, you've got to aspire to be more than seven or eight seed. You, you've got to be a serious contender. And, you know, the only way to do that is, is to, to basically, you know, reset you know, try to get as much as you can from these guys that obviously are not going to help you get to where you need to go and try to move them and try to get as many picks for the future as possible. Uh, try to get something back that you can work with, not a, a salary that's going to be, you know, an albatross around your neck. And I think a lot of these teams are starting to realize that. It's like, hey, it, you know, this is why the draft picks are so important and people are holding on to these draft picks. You look what Oklahoma City has done. I mean, you know, you got to give, you know, Presti a lot of credit down there. I mean, he, he's hoarded draft picks, and he's building What's he going to do with all those picks, though, Stacey? He's got 17 first-round picks in the next seven drafts. Last I saw, well, you, there's you only think, a 15-man roster this. in the I mean, league. <laughs> well, think about this. I mean, you, you, got 17, you got 17 draft picks. You know, those are aces in his sleeve. So you're going to the, right. you're going to the, uh, the card table, you know, the poker table. You're slapping them down and saying, I'll move two picks. I can take Steven Adams, make move this pick with Steven Adams. If, if Steven Adams doesn't want to be in Oklahoma City, I can flip Steven Adams for a different player or another pick coming back, a higher pick. I mean, you know, these pit Boston, Boston has done well over the last few years at all the draft picks they've had. Look at the team they've built. I mean, they're on the cusp of, of getting to an NBA Finals at some point. Um, so, you know, those picks come in handy. They're more important now than they ever been, in my opinion. So your advice to Al Horford would be to rent, not buy, in Oklahoma City, right? After you got traded there, yeah. Time. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure. I mean, look, they're flipping Rick, uh, Ricky Rubio, you know. So, right. uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't think, I think long term, they're looking to, they're small market. You got to remember this, and you know, they drafted homegrown talent. You know, you you got Westbrook in the draft, James Harden in the draft, Serge Ibaka in the draft, Kevin Durant in the draft. Now, you know, Durant was a no-brainer, 
But, you know, Sergi Baca, a lot of people didn't really know about him. You know, Westbrook was a, was a top five pick, but you didn't know what you were going to get out of him. You know, he wasn't a point guard. Is he a combo guard? Is he a two? And, you know, he turned out to be one of the best guards, you know, at his position. So, you know, they've done a good job in the draft, Mark. And you know what? And that's, you know, you got to give them credit because they're dealing, you know, they're not, they're not the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, they're not, you know, Miami or Boston that have the money to go out and go get everybody. That's why, they lose all, that's why they lose all their stars because they can't pay everybody. So they flip them and get draft picks. And they get serviceable players. Look at, you know, Shea Gilders-Alexander, future star on that team that they got still under a rookie contract and that he may be, you know, when it's time for him to redo his deal, they might be an affordable contract for him. And he could turn out to be a star. So they've got some young pieces there. How about the situation in Milwaukee? They thought they had restocked around Giannis. They made the trade with New Orleans, bringing in Drew Holiday, who will be a, a definite upgrade at the point guard spot over Eric Bledsoe. But then they thought they really pulled a coup by working out a sign and trade with Sacramento for Bogdan Bogdanovich. And then a day later, all of a sudden, Bogdan goes, hey, hey, hold on a minute. I didn't agree to this deal, and I want to see what else is out there in free agency. That's kind of like, you know, you round up your buddies. You say, well, we're going we're gonna to go over here, and we're going to take on this team. And all of a sudden, Bogdan turns and runs the other way. I mean, Giannis has got to be ticked off because you know that he was consulted and, and he was behind all these moves. That could really put uh, the Giannis situation up in peril. What, what do you think is going on in Milwaukee? Well, it's, it's, it's really bad on, on Bogdanovich's point of view because, you know, you're doing a sign-and-trade, and they're going to give you pretty much what you want in the sign-and-trade. And you're getting ready to go to the Eastern Conference to a team that's an elite team, a team that, that is, you know, positioned to, to win now. And you're going to play with arguably the best player in the game, two-time MVP. So why wouldn't you make that move? You've been losing your whole career in Sacramento – um, it makes you kind of wonder, like, is numbers important to him? Like, you know, him getting as many shots, him being the man, you know, I mean, because most people would jump at a chance to go to a contender after being on a losing team their whole career. You know, most guys, guys, when you, when you get put on a losing team, Mark, and that's all you've known and that's all you've seen in your career, you long to be in the playoffs. You long to be in a situation where you're competing for a title, that's what's so amazing about this is like, wow, this guy's been, a, you know, on a losing team his whole career. He's been in an unstable, you know, unstable coaching staffs, you know, coaches in and out, front office people in and out. You know, it just hasn't been stable. And here you have an opportunity to go to a stable organization that is in position to win a championship with one of the best players in the game. And you're backing out. I, you know, I mean, are you, are you going to try to get more money? Because at the end of the day, you're a restricted free agent. You're not unrestricted. So you go out and get a contract offer from somebody, you know, Sacramento's going to match it. And then they're going to end up making a trade anyway. So it's like, I mean, I could see his point, like try to go out and get as maximized as much money as you can. But you got to understand this. He, he's been injured a lot the last couple of years. He's a great player. Don't get me wrong. He's a good young player. Um, he's been injured the last couple of years. Um, what position is he? Is he a one? Is he a two? Um, is he going out looking for two-guard money? Is he going out looking for, you know, point-guard money? Is he looking to start? I mean, there's all these questions, marks that he probably has in his head that, you know, maybe he's not getting good advice. Yeah, the development on Thursday is Milwaukee had a contract option come due on Ursan Ilyasova, who was included in that sign-and-trade, and they had to waive him today, so now they can't include his $7 million. So that's a mess, but that's their problem. Uh, let's talk about something that's yeah. a big problem on a – personal level is the injury that you alluded to earlier regarding clay thompson word came out early this afternoon that it was an achilles tendon tear clay thompson will miss the entire season he missed all of last wow. season after rupturing his acl in the finals against toronto and by all accounts stacy clay thompson's a great guy a pro's pro everybody speaks so highly of him i i you know we went through the whole Derek rose saga here where he hurt both knees you know and and how tough is that going to be for clay you know, he's over 30 now, and he's, he's suffered the two worst injuries that any basketball player could suffer. And back-to-back. And, and yeah. you know, this is a guy who, you know, at the beginning of his career, uh, played in 90% of the games. So he's been very durable. You know, he's been one of the best two-way players in the game before these injuries, and you, your heart just hurts for him because he's a good kid. Yeah. You know, he's a very good kid, you know, very professional when you listen to him talk. You know, and you, you have a chance to talk to him. 
You know, he's not a me, me, me guy. You know, when you go back and you look at that, that championship teams, when Durant came on that team, you know, everybody, you know, everybody thought, well, who's going to take a back seat? Whose game is going to change? You know, Clay Thompson was willing to take, you know, take a, take a role, hit role producer. He didn't care. He wanted to win, you know, and this is a guy who's been one of the prolific scorers in the game before Durant came. You know, he was the guy that said, hey, man, let Kevin do him, man. I'll, hey, I'll fall back. You know, I just want to win. And you heard him say that in interviews. I don't care about him. If I don't score a point and we win, I, we, hey, I don't care. You know, so that, that tells you what kind of character guy this is. Now, this is a kid, you know, his dad, Michael Thompson, played in the, in the NBA. His brother played professional baseball. This is a kid that, you know, will bounce back. You know, it's devastating right now, and, and he's probably, you know, just crushed. But this kid is mentally tough. He will, he will come back from this. He will work his butt off just like he got his ACL and came back from that. And he was coming back from that. Um, he'll put the time in. And, you know, you got to remember, Golden State got some of the best, you know, doctors and, and physicians out there with that team. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're, um, they're, their facilities are top-notch, probably one of the best in the NBA. You know, they, all that new stuff they got out there. Uh, so they'll get him back. It'll be like the $6 million man. They'll make him, you know, better and faster. <laughs> Hey, you know what I just thought of while you were talking about Clay? You know what they could do now? They've got a, a $17 million trade exception that they acquired from uh, in the trade that sent Andre Iguodala to Memphis uh, last season. Maybe they'll work a sign and trade with Sacramento for Bogdan Bogdanovich to step into that two-guard spot. What do you think? Ooh, ooh that might not be a bad thing. You they're playing GM. Yeah. See, I like that. Stay at home GM. I, I don't. Only, only way I, I mean, I know they would want to do that. That would that would that would be nice for them. But I think Sacramento would not try to help them. You know, they wouldn't look, right. help Golden State in any form or fashion. Right. Same division. Same geographical area. Yep. Right. Yep. They may yep. not want to help. I'm not, the help, Warriors. I'm not going to help. You Stay at the top. Yeah, they're good. trying to put some butts in the seats when when fans can get back in the arenas. One more move to talk exactly. about before we move on. Chris Paul going to Phoenix. You know, last time we talked. There were some rumors out there that they might trade Devin Booker. Well, now Devin Booker's getting what he wants. He's getting CP3 to get them to the playoffs. Well, I, I told you, we talked about that. You know, um, you know, Devin Booker is a young superstar. And all he needs now, I mean, you know, is a point guard that can make the game even easier for him. Because a lot of times you watch Devin Booker, we know he can get his shot anytime he wants to. He's very good with the ball in his hands. But you have to expend so much energy to do that when you have two or three guys running at you. Now you've got a point guard who can also demand attention, who will also take some pressure off you. Now you can run off screens, catch and shoot, a la Reggie Miller, and with the way he fills it up, you know, that's going to make his game easier. He's going to, you know, he's not going to spend so much energy, you know, and Chris Paul is going to make them uh, that whole young team. He's going to make them be accountable. He's going to make them get out and compete every day. They're going to watch him how he prepares. And this is, this is great for Phoenix because you've got a, a quality veteran who still can play, still can put up numbers um, that will lead your team and, and take them to that next level. Now, I see them in the playoffs. I mean, I don't see them winning a championship, but I see them in the playoffs. Um, and that's the growth that you want if you're the Phoenix Suns organization. We just want to take that next step. We don't want to be the team that's always fighting for the ninth, you know, ninth spot in the eighth spot, we want to get in there and try to do like Denver. You know, Denver would be the model that I would probably say that if I'm a GM in the Western Conference or in the Eastern Conference, you know, you know, that's the model that I'm following. You know, build your team through your homegrown talent that you draft, you know, surround them with quality veterans and a good coaching staff. And, and that's, that's, a, that's a great model right there. Well, we told you on the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast, we're going to spray to all fields, not just talk basketball. And I, I was thinking with the Bears on the bye week, this might be a perfect time, Stacy, for you to weigh in on what in the world is going on in Lake Forest. I mean, you talk about a, a, a dumpster fire. I mean, the GM takes the wrong quarterback a couple of years ago. The coach comes in with all this fanfare of being an offensive genius. He hands the play card over to somebody else, and the offense is the worst in the NFL. This is a tough watch, and I know Bears fans are feeling the pain right now, Stacey. Well, I mean, you know, I play Madden on uh, Xbox, and I play as the Bears, and I'm undefeated. Okay, I, I got a playbook that I use. I, I started to call Madden Navy and see if he wants to use it. 
because it's unstoppable. <laughs> we play a five, I play a five-receiver set, and we just throwing the ball all over the yard, okay? And, you know, watching the Bears, you know, it, it's tough. I know, I know they started off good, but, you know, they could have lost those games if they started off winning. Um, you know, I feel bad for Bears fans because, you know, this is, this is a Bears town. You know, they, they love their Bears here. And I, and I think the one thing that, that just being a fan, I'm an armchair quarterback now. I'm a guy who plays Xbox, Madden. So this is my perspective. You know, Nick Foles is, is, uh, needs protection. Their offensive line is hurting. Got some guys, you know, out, hurt, dinged up. Um, you know, he needs protection. If he has a clean pocket, you know, Nick Foles is affected. But if Nick Foles has to run for his life, you're better off to put Trubisky back there. Because Trubisky, even though people don't like Trubisky, he, at least he can make a play outside the pocket. Once Nick Foles gets outside the pocket, I mean, it's all, I think Nick Foles runs a 40 in like two weeks. I mean, he, I mean, he just can't get he – he has no escapability. And I think putting him in a situation by putting more receivers out there – because you've got to get the ball to your playmakers. You know, you've got to get the ball to Montgomery. You know, uh, Cordell Patterson, I like the way they used him this past weekend. They had him in the backfield. So he was a running back slash wide receiver slash kick returner. You know, get your playmakers out there. And I think if they can do that, uh, Robinson's got to get the ball more. I mean, you, I mean, if you're Nick Foles, that's the one guy that every game has got to get 15 targets. You've got to get him. I think he's got about, I think he's got about 60 catches this year. Um, you know, he, he's your main guy you need to get to, the, the, uh, the tight end. I like the, the rookie. Is it Komet? Komet is the tight end? Yeah, Cole Komet, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like him. I like him. I like him more than I like Jimmy Graham. So, those, you know, those, those passes should go to Komet, if you ask me. Develop him. You know, he, he, he seems like he's got some receiving skills. He gets out there. I saw him make a good play the other night where, you know, Foles was out of the pocket and he had to scramble. And Komet was, you know, kind of running the drag route across the, the middle of the field and got open for him and kind of saved him and made a huge first down catch. So, get him the ball. Uh, you know, they cut K again. I was really surprised about that. I, I was really, you know, I like K again. Um, but you got to find ways to get your playmakers to the ball. Uh, if you're an offensive genius, because you can't say it's the defense's fault. You can never say, you can never say, well, the defense let up. One thing about Chicago, it's always been about defense. Those guys spend too much time on the field. You know, Khalil Mack, I mean, I mean, how much more can he do? You know, how much more can their defense do out there? I mean, they got, I mean, you, you got, you know, uh, Smith, the linebacker, flying all over the place. Trevathan is a great linebacker. Their defense is, is top-notch. It's just they spend too much time on the field. And, unfortunately, unless they're, you know, pick sixes or, or blocking, you know, punts and returning for a touchdown, they can't score for you. They can only hold you. I mean, they can keep teams down. I mean, look what they did to Dalvin Cook. I mean, they kept them down. Uh, you know, where he's been running through everybody. They did a great job on him defensively. So I just believe, like I said, as a fan, because I am a fan, and I hate to see him struggling right now. I think they lost four straight. Um, I just think you need to open it up. You know, you know, forget the play action. You know, go more spread offense. And kind of like Kansas City, because he came from Kansas City, just open it up, man. Let Foles just rip it. If you, and if you're not going to – if you, if I know Trubisky's been hurt. You know, as soon as Trubisky gets back in there and he's healthy enough to play – Listen, man, you drafted that kid so high, bro. I mean, you're, you're basically what you're saying is you made a mistake. And you might as well play him and just let him play and, and, and finish out the season and see what he can do if you're going to still be behind center. Because if you're not going to be in that shotgun formation, yeah, that kills Foles. Foles. It takes Foles like a week to get dropped back five steps and let it rip. And I like Foles. He needs a clean pocket. And if he doesn't have a clean pocket, he's going to be on the ground a lot. And that's what you're seeing lately. How about that, Mark? You see, yeah, you, you pretty, I talk you, about basketball. I told you this show. I can talk about anything, boy. I'm well-versed in all sports, UFC, uh, anything. You whatever your women's sports, WNBA, soccer, anything. I just don't know a lot about hey, hockey. I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to lie. Hey, Conor McGregor's coming back to fight in January. UFC. Yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm excited. He's fighting Dustin Poirier. He just signed yeah. a contract, uh, I think, today. Uh, but he was going to sign it anyway. Uh, he, you know what? He, he's a lot of people. He's one of those guys. You either love him or you hate him. I love him because I, I, he backs up everything he says. You know, he talks a lot of trash. He sells a lot of tickets. He understands what this is all about. He has really, uh, you know, shined the light on the UFC and making it probably bigger than boxing right now. 
Um, you know, I, I got a chance, you know, boxing, and as much as I love boxing, you know, the best don't fight each other, you know, and so therefore they lose a lot of fans. But in the UFC, you know, I give Dana White credit. Dana White has his fighters fighting the best guys every weekend. You know, every weekend they're fighting the best fighters. The champions fight, you know, the number one contender, the number two contender. There's no ducking, you know, in UFC, whereas in boxing, I just watched uh, Terrence Crawford. You know, he got, you know, he had, you know, fought Kell Brook. You know, Kell Brook, you know, before was one of the elite champions, you know, he was until he fought Triple G and ended up, you know, getting his face broken, you know, had his civil uh, bones tore up. <laughs> then he, then, 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 but he was the only guy, the thing about Kell Brook, he was the only guy that challenged Triple G when no one else wanted to fight Triple G in his prime. So he went in there and he got, you know, he got beat up and, and you know, and, and then he fought Errol Spence. Then he got beat up there. So he, he's kind of a shell of a fighter. And I like Terrence Crawford. But Terrence Crawford needs to fight Errol Spence. Those are the two best fighters in the welterweight division. They need to fight. That's what you saw with Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard, Tommy Hearns, you know, versus Hagler. The best fought the best. And that's why those guys are, are living legends now. Boxing fans to this day revere those guys. But boxing's not the same. But the UFC, that's my sport. Boy, I love the UFC, baby. Woo! Yeah, we were talking boxing on the last episode, and uh, so I watched that Crawford Brook fight, and I, you know, they were, the announcers were saying, "Well, you know, uh, Crawford isn't really being very effective." Then he hit him with the right hand, and it was over. Man, I tell you what, the shot that he hit uh, Kell Brook with, I was like, "Wow!" It didn't even like he hit him that hard, and all of a sudden, man, he almost went to the you know second rope. Yeah. Um, but he's highly <laughs> skilled, man. I mean, he he's got fast hands. Um, you know, he's, he's got a good boxing generalship in the ring. He n- understands angles. He understands where he's at in the ring. And you never see him get flustered. Like the great ones, you never see them get flustered. When they get pressured or they're in a situation where the other guy's getting the best of them, you know, they never lose their composure. They're going to fight the same way. And then, you know, you think you're getting them, and all of a sudden, boom, they hit you with a counterpunch. You know, you're down. I mean, look at Javante Davis, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, you know, he's fighting uh, Leo Santa Cruz uh, in a lightweight fight. And the fight, you know, is pretty even. You know, it's pretty even. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, Javante Davis says, you know, enough of this. It's time you go to sleep. And he hit him with an <laughs> uppercut that came all the way from, like, all the way from, like, Rockford, Illinois, baby, and connected on Leo's chin. And it was lights out, baby. Counted him out to 10. And, uh, and uh, you know, it was an exciting fight. You know, but it'll be so good, you know, when all the fans are able to get back into to all sporting events, you know, you know, football, basketball, you know, because they bring so much energy to the game. And when you're watching these fights on TV, yeah, you like watching them because of the competitive nature of the fights, but it's just not the same without having the fans there. And, you know, hopefully at some point, you know, even in basketball, we're going to be experiencing that, you know, this year, you know, next month. You know, not having fans in and, and playing, you know, in, in you know empty arenas and stuff, and it's going to be weird. You know, I didn't go to the bubble, so I didn't get to experience that. You know, I just saw it on TV. And so it's going to, you know, me and Adam, you know, we're going to have to call these games, and, you know, it's going to be weird for us, you know, because we don't even really know how it's going to work right now. We don't know where we're going to be, where we're going to be sitting, you know, you know what the protocol is. Um, but I'm sure it's going to be a, a really weird feeling not having that energy, you know, in the United Center. Hey, you're going to be cool if the Kansas point guard, Devon Dotson, makes the team because, you know, I know that Oklahoma-Kansas rivalry never dies. Let me tell you something about that kid. That kid should have been drafted. Uh, yeah, I'm I agree. I'm going to you right now, I mean, you know, he's one of those kids, Mark, that in my opinion really showed that he, you know, over the last couple of years has really developed into a very – two-way type of player. He can score. He can defend. He's tenacious on defense. He's physical. Um, I was really surprised that, that he did not get drafted. That, that completely caught me off guard. Um, you know, you look at his numbers, I think he was uh, averaged about 18, 19 points last year at Kansas. Um, just, a, just a solid all-around point guard. Uh, there's a lot of guys that, you know, I mean, that, that didn't get their name called until late. You know, uh, the kid from Duke Jones you know, who was ACC right. player of the year, you know, a defensive player of the year, which is very rare that you're both, uh, you know, you know, he ends up, I think, going to San Antonio, you know, literally I was falling asleep after the first round, dude. I, I had to put the alarm <laughs> clock on after, after pick 15. I was like, good God, man. 
Like, uh, like, is this still going on? And then when, then when Adam Silver says, and we're going to the second round, it was like 1030. <laughs> I was like, well, Adam, Adam, you'll be in the second round by yourself, buddy. I'm going to bed. So it, was, it, was, it seemed like, I don't know about you watching it, but, man, it seemed like it was a long, long draft. I mean, it was exciting but for those kids, but, man, it just, it just seemed like it just dragged on and on and on. And, and, uh, but I'm, I'm excited about, about Dodson. You know, like I said, you know, he's six foot two. You know, he's, he's got great speed. You know, he's a big Derrick Rose fan. You know, so right. uh, that's awesome. You know, so uh, – and then another kid I was surprised that he didn't get drafted is a kid uh, from Marquette, Marcus Howard. You know, I know everybody was questioning – Yeah, leading four in the country. 5'11". But, I mean, man, when you can put the ball in the basket like he can. I mean, he shot 41% from the three-point line last season. They compare him to kind of like Trey Young. But I think the difference between him and Trey Young, he's more of a scorer. He doesn't really do anything else. And I think that's the knock on him right now is that – He's not a distributor. He doesn't make his teammates better. He got better over his career at Marquette, but, um, you know, he ended up not being, you know, not being the way they thought he should be at 5'11". He should be more of a playmaker. Right. But Dotson, but Dotson to me was, like, complete. I mean, I, I was surprised by that because he's at a big school. He's playing for, you know, Bill Self, who's one of the, you know, one of the better coaches in college basketball. Uh, you know, 18 points, four, four assists a game. I mean, the kid, you know, is great in transition. Uh, and I think the big thing when you're looking for, when you look at, you know, guys to compare him with, uh, Graham from, you know, Graham from uh, Charlotte, you know, a lot of people slept on him. Um, you know, the way he plays. And, you know, they come out, they come to the NBA. Kansas players come to the NBA, especially the guards, uh, defensive ready. And I think that's going to help them. And if you're the Bulls, I mean, you, it's obvious what the Bulls are doing, Mark. They're trying to get – players in here they're, they're building their team and trying to get players that that will come in here and be able to play right away and compete uh you look at the two kids they're they're bringing in you know you look at now they're stashing the second round pick for a couple of years you know maybe yeah marco maybe, maybe simonovich yeah yeah marco yeah they're, they're gonna stash him for a year or so and maybe maybe he's like the joker you know maybe <laughs> maybe he's like joking you know we're getting somebody like that you know later on who knows um, but right now, you know, when you look at, you know, Patrick Williams, you look at Dotson, I mean, you've already addressed, you know, a couple of issues. And then I tell Bulls fans, you know, to temper your questioning of uh, AK and Mark, you know, those guys have been nothing but hitting home runs, you know, since they've been, since they've been uh, with the Bulls. You've got to trust the process. They see something in these kids that maybe the average fan doesn't. And I will say this, Mark, and I said this earlier in the show, we're so used to seeing these kids in the NCAA tournament. That's where kids make their name. That's when if Patrick Williams would have been in the NCAA tournament, Patrick Williams probably doesn't get drafted by the Bulls. Maybe he gets drafted higher and someone else takes him, you know, because he put on a show in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, the NCAA tournament, we didn't get a chance to see some of these kids play. And that's March Madness is where you go, wow, that kid can play. Whoa, that kid is awesome. You know, and then you start seeing his name go up in the in the um, you know draft boxes and everything. But um, I, I'll give I'll, I'm giving AK and them my trust, man. I, I believe in them. I believe in what they're doing. Um, you know, I, I think you know this is his first draft, and I think people wanted them to you know for his first draft to hit a home run. You can't judge these draft picks for at least you know three or four years. Uh, and you got to remember, you know, Patrick Williams is the youngest player in the draft. See, people, he might look old, he might look older, but he's the youngest player in the draft. So, you know, I mean, they're, they're drafting on, on needs. You know, they, they recognize that, you know, Otto Porter's, you know, he's going he's gonna to pick his option up, obviously, and this is last year. And so, you know, you have to make a decision. We don't, they don't have a viable backup. And when you're trotting Chris Dunn out there and you're trotting, you know, you know, Shaq Harrison out there guarding the small forwards in this league, and they both did great jobs defensively on, on bigger guys. You couldn't ask them to do better jobs than what they did. They both competed every night. They made it tough on small forwards. But they're guards. They're point guard size. They, they shouldn't be out there guarding those guys. But they were your best defenders um, when you had Otto Porter out. So, you know, Jim Boylan and, you know, they had to put him out there. But the one thing I will say again is about this team is that trust the process. You know, you've got Billy Donovan, who is arguably one of the best coaches as far as player development. 
uh, is concerned. And I expect, and we talked about this, Mark, you know, let's just look at our core group. You know, Zach Levine, Kobe, you know, Wendell Carter Jr., you know, Larry Marketing. You know, Larry Marketing, I expect Larry to be Larry the first two years that we saw Larry. His numbers increased his first two years. Last year was his third year. His numbers dipped significantly. He didn't play the same way. He looked like he lacked confidence. And I believe it was coaching. I believe a lot of it was coaching because I'm there. I'm down there, you know. I see things that everybody else doesn't see. And, you know, he just wasn't happy. He just wasn't happy playing, you know, for, for Jim Boyle for whatever reason. You know, he'd have to be the one to tell you that. It just, I felt like they didn't put him in position where he could succeed. He was always in position where it was just him shooting three-point shots. And I don't expect to see that this year. I expect to see him on the move a lot more. I expect to see him, you know, play some pick and roll uh, and, and literally dive to the basket on mismatches. Um, I, I think you'll see a lot of that. I think you'll see that similar to how Billy Donovan played Kevin Durant. You know, Kevin Durant played a lot in the post in Oklahoma City uh, when Billy Donovan was there. They run him into the post, dive him in there, take advantage of mismatches. Um, so I, I, I can see you doing. A, I can see them doing a lot of that with, with Lowry, and I can see him uh, really taking off. And, and I'm glad that, that Wendell didn't move because we heard Wendell's name being moved in the uh, in the trade deadlines for that uh, number two pick. I'm glad to see. That, uh, that that didn't happen because I'm a big Wendell Carter Jr. fan. I think, you know, when you look at this kid, this kid's going to have a 12-year career. Uh, he's going to be very good. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be very consistent in what he can do. And I think he'll be another guy that will develop under Billy Donovan uh, because he's already got the intangible things. He's already got the defensive side of the down. And he can score, you know, with his back to the basket. And he, he's really worked on his three-point shooting. So, uh, if they can make Steven Adams a three-point shooter, I, I have the utmost confidence they can do it with, with Dev Carter Jr. Should be an exciting season ahead. We're looking forward to the start of training camp right around the corner. And, Stacy, you know what else is right around the corner is uh, Thanksgiving. So before we get out of here, on the down low, tell the folks what we might find on the King holiday table for Thanksgiving. What's your favorite? Well, first of all, you're going to have Matt. We're going to have masks at the house because, you know, we got, you know, this is a tough time. It's, this, is, oh, yeah. this is a tough time for anybody because it's, it's really kind of changed the way that we do things. Normally, you know, we have, you know, 50, 60 people, family come over and, you know, and uh, celebrate holidays. But, you know, now with COVID, man, it, it may be a Zoom Thanksgiving where we sit at the table and, and have Zoom on and we'll be uh, imaginary pack and turkey. I'll actually have my turkey and act like I'm putting it on the plate to someone over here. And, you know, so it's, it's different. It's different. But, you know, just like we always do, we'll make adjustments. Um, but it, it will be different this year. I mean, we, you know, um, you know, this COVID is real, man. I mean, you know, my younger son just got diagnosed with COVID uh, last week. So, and Deb, my wife's son, um, had COVID too. So, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's, very it's scary. This is real, man. Yeah, this is real, man. So you got to take this seriously. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, I've had it hit me early in the years from my brother passing away. So um, I know it's real. So, you know, I, I wish everybody, a, you know, happy holidays. And I wish, you know, everybody have a safe holiday. Continue to take this COVID serious, seriously. Uh, wear your mask, you know, social distancing until we get a vaccination. You know, I mean, the numbers are skyrocketing every day and here in Illinois. I mean, we've got some major spikes. So it's almost like, and it's really, it's almost like, man, it's like, you know, it's not, you're not getting it, you're not getting it from, like, your family members. You're getting it from, like, you know, different places now, you know, where before they, you know, they didn't think you got it from certain things. Now you're getting it from certain things, you know, touching bags and, you know, someone delivers something to you, you touch the bag, may have, it's, it's just so many different ways now they're starting to figure out, though. So stay safe out there, Bulls fans and everybody, and we wish you a happy Thanksgiving, and, and, and you know, I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday. I'm having fried turkey. I'm really a ham man myself. You know, I like honey baked okay. ham. You know, I'm what a about ham dessert? Man. I'm not really a turkey. Uh, you know, the typical stuff, man. You know, the, the, the um, you know, pumpkin pies, the uh, yeah. pecan pies, and, you know, I'm from, the, I'm from the south a little bit, so I like that southern stuff. Um, you know, we <laughs> fried turkeys. We don't, we don't, you know, the fried turkey is the best. I don't know if you ever had a fried turkey. Oh, um, yeah. But the yeah. fried turkey, yeah, yeah. See, you got a little, you got a little, you got a little brother in your boy. I see you fried turkey. I see it. I see it, Park. Oh, I like that. Some people well, I'll tell you what, we can pass. We can pass the 
fried turkey around virtually on Thanksgiving. All right, Stace? Yeah, man. You got to get that fried turkey. When I tell people about fried turkey, some people turn their nose up. Eh. I'm like, man, you don't know what you're missing. Fried turkey, boy, <laughs> if it's cooked right and it's juicy, a lot is good. Boy, give me the hot sauce, baby. This time I'm with the show, baby. It's for the turkey, too. Woo! Well, all the best to the King family on Thanksgiving and all the best to our listeners out there. Remember, you can find the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast wherever you go to find your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify. We're going to promote this thing and, and hopefully continue to grow. We hope you're enjoying I just want it. I want to say one more thing. Enjoy the Thanksgiving. Want to say one more thing. Yeah. I want to say one more thing before we take off. I just want to send a special shout-out to all the people who've been listening to our show. We've been getting great feedback from a lot of the fans. And I, I just want to send a special shout-out to all the fans who've been, who've been subscribing to the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. You guys are making this show the what it is. And, and I just want to say thank you to all you guys. And, and uh, we're all family here. You guys are making this show what it is. And I hope you're enjoying it. And uh, we're enjoying doing it. And next time we'll talk about the start of training camp and free agency and safety. I think it's time for you to take us out, all right? I'm going to take you out in Chicago. And remember, nationwide is on your side. Wait, wait, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Hey, and remember, drive home safely, Chicago. CB, the golden place, baby. They work even during a pandemic. Woo! Hey, want to listen to all three previous episodes of Stacey King's Gimme the Hot Sauce with Mark Shinovsky? All you got to do is type in bit.ly forward slash Gimme the Hot Sauce and all three episodes will pop up. That's bit.ly forward slash Gimme the Hot Sauce and you'll get all previous episodes of Gimme the Hot Sauce.